You're listening to Cloud9, where Bahaiteachings.org interviews artists from around the globe to learn about what inspires, uplifts, and motivates them to make a positive contribution to the world. My name is Shadi Talui Wallace. I've been writing and performing music set to the Baha'i writings for over a decade. Naturally, this has presented me with countless opportunities to travel the world, collaborate, and meet with other Baha'is who are inspired by the teachings of Baha'u'llah, the prophet and founder of the Baha'i faith, to create meaningful and uplifting works of art. I found that although we share a common faith, how this faith manifests through the creative and diverse lenses and hands of these artists is always astonishing and humbling. You see, the guardian of the Baha'i faith, Shoghi Effendi, once said that there is no such thing as Baha'i music or Baha'i art. He said that the Baha'is are free to paint, write, and compose as their talents guide them, and that the further away we keep from asking people to conform to one specific form of expression, the better, because the Baha'i faith is absolutely universal. The guardian also said that we cannot possibly foresee what forms and characteristics the arts of the future, inspired by Baha'u'llah's teachings, will have. He said that all we can be sure of is that they will be wonderful, as every faith of the past has given rise to a culture which flowered in different forms, so too will the Baha'i faith. As an artist, I found these statements incredibly insightful and empowering. The opportunities and potentialities of where the Baha'i teachings can take us creatively are limitless, And as the Baha'i faith grows and its teachings take shape in cities and villages around the world, I get goosebumps thinking about the future of the arts and the role it plays in humanity's progress. A Baha'i artist who is no stranger to pushing boundaries and exploring his limitless potential is this episode's artist-in-residence, Roman Arona. Roman is a member of the Apache, Pueblo, and Yaqui tribes located in the southwest of the United States. He is an educator, environmentalist, producer, actor, musician, and filmmaker whose mission is to teach world peace, gender equality, environmental and cultural preservation, racial equality, and the abandonment of all forms of prejudice through his art. In this episode, we'll learn why he decided to pursue his calling as an artist after spending many years in the field of biology and civil engineering. We'll discuss the importance of prophecy and how he reconciles his indigenous heritage and traditions with his belief in the Baha'i faith, and how he's infusing both his faith and tradition to forge a new path and elevate his artistic practice. We'll also discuss why he's moved to amplify the true nature of indigenous peoples, reminding us the original peoples are still here, thriving, and evolving and becoming increasingly empowered with each passing day. Roman, a warm welcome to you from the team at Cloud9 and Baha'i Teachings. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> that's a wonderful introduction. Thank wow. you. <laughs> I'm honored to be here. Yeah, thank you. So Roman, I'd love to start by learning about your project, I Am Human. It's hashtag I Am capital letters human. I know this started as a video project a few years ago aimed at uniting humanity by offering a platform to people of diverse backgrounds to tell their stories. But now it's turned into a much bigger media project and nonprofit that's giving other artists the platform and tools to create a more just and inclusive world. 
Could you share the inspiration behind this project and how do you see it evolving and contributing to unity in the near future? Um, well, the, the video project, it's, it's, it's funny. I think it was forced on me. Um, and, and I say that because, uh, several years ago when it, when I, when I started it, it, I was, I was, uh, asleep and awoke at 3 AM. Um, and I, I, I say that I have a, I had a download at that moment in time. At first I was like, ah, it's three. I just want to sleep. You know, I need to, I have some things I got to take care of. I'm not going to, you know, I'll deal with it in the morning. Right. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, I wasn't able to sleep. I kept getting more and more thoughts. It's almost like pe- somebody or something was like, Hey, get up. I got something to tell you, get up, get up. Right. And so I, I got up and went into the, my office and I had this huge download. So I was writing, just writing, 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 writing the thoughts, all of the things that, you know, that I was supposed to write at that moment in time, closed my book, was able to fall asleep the next day, three o'clock exactly woke up. And I kind of was like, no, no, I'll deal with it in the morning. Again, nothing, right? You're going to get up. You're going to write this now. So I got up, had some more download, wrote these things down. And this, this continued um, for like two weeks. And then at the very end on that Friday, that last Friday, I got the, the, the name, I am human. And uh, so, yeah, it started as a film project, like you said, and it's evolved or evolving um, into a full-fledged media, uh, nonprofit media company. Uh, we do podcasts through there. We do um, create videos uh, that, that push the boundaries and push our comfort zones a little bit, but still educate humanity. That's the whole purpose. Um, I think for me personally, I just feel like if we're not, if, if we're in our comfort zones and we're comfortable, then we're not changing or making changes. And so that's what we try to do with, with I am human media. And, uh, it, it really is about pushing people to the limits, breaking down these walls, breaking down, you know, the things that, that hold us and keep us from growing as individuals and as communities and as humanity all around the world. Really the thought process is thinking humanity as a garden and all of us are individual flowers in that garden. And once we come into the garden and bring what what we are as an individual to the garden and the garden starts to get strong and the vibrant colors are beautiful and all of those things. And yeah, every garden has weeds, but a full functioning, really productive garden has less weeds because all of that energy is going into the flowers, into humanity. And so really what I am human media is about, is about that. It's about creating art and artists that can be sustainable while uniting and pushing humanity for change. Beautiful. I really resonated with that analogy that you just shared. So what are these themes that you're exploring with I Am Human? One, obviously, is unity in diversity. You know, that's a big part of the Baha'i faith. And so in this unity in diversity, it, it's it's hard because you're getting different people with different ideas you know, and different thought processes, different cultures, and putting them all together. And that right there is already pushing the boundaries 
of where we're at right now, especially right now in the world. Um, and so mm-hmm. that right there is one of the biggest things Absolutely. that we, we try yeah. to, to push is, is this unity in diversity, um, allowing for the garden to take shape, allowing the farmer and I think of the farmer as, you know, as Baha'u'llah or, or, or God, you know, they're the ones that are coming in and, and giving us what we need. Right. And, and we all um, have the seeds. And so we just got to plant the seeds in this garden of humanity. Um, so, so unity and diversity is one uh, children and allowing them to um to have a world in which is productive for them. And one of the, I was just talking uh, recently uh, to my kids and, and to the family, and we were talking about how blessed we should be that we're here in this physical world, remembering and honoring the lineage in our ancestry that we come from, right? While living and, and trying to develop a better society for the future, that haven't even been born yet, you know, and, you know, that's that concept of, of, of seven generations into the future and, and knowing that lineage that one day I will be an ancestor and you will be an ancestor. And so those are the kind of themes that we try to do equality of, of men and women, the, the knowledge of, of men to know, Hey, right now, it's a great time to step back, have women, take the space that they are entitled to be taking. You know, it's not for us as men to say, oh yeah, now you can do it. No, 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 no. That space has already been provided for them, you know, and, and we as men have to step back and stop being so selfish and think that we can solve the world's problems because we've had opportunities and we are failing. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think it's that knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? Time for us to back up. It's time for us to not, be selfish. Could you also share a bit about the artists that collaborate with the I Am Human initiative? Um, I try to bring people, artists in or people in of different races and nationalities. We do pop-up events um, where we talk about these social uh, ills that we all mm-hmm. face. Um, and then I bring in the artist because the artist, I think, like I'm saying, is, is, is creating sustainable art and artists. So I bring the artist in. We have these, these, elevated discussions um, on many different things. We had one on gender equality. We had one on social justice. We had other ones that were planned uh, for this summer and and this year, and those those obviously uh, changed. But but then we bring the artists in, we have this moderated discussion, and then the artists get to perform. Mm allowing them to sell their merchandise and, and be productive, you know, and just be able to live, to live, you know, trying to get rid of that poor artist concept that <laughs> we all feel and, and go through and, and are told all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah. I know that. I know that story quite well. <laughs> um, well, Roman, thanks so much for taking some time to share a bit about I am human. I'll leave a link in the web copy of this episode on the Baha'i teachings website. So um, listeners can learn more about it. Now, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into um, colonization in North America. And I know that you're not the mouthpiece of indigenous people, but I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, So I have a few questions following this little kind of 
introduction here. So since the inception of colonization in North America, many would say that religion has been used as the catalyst to imposed conformist Western ideologies on Indigenous people. For centuries, settlers used religion as a means to justify oppression, persecution, abuse, forced removal, murder, and cultural genocide. The implications of generations upon generations of trauma have no doubt been experienced by every Indigenous person today, all in the name of religion. So it's really no surprise that many Indigenous people have a hard time reconciling the lived experience of their ancestors with the adoption of a new faith or spiritual practice. After generations of oppression, many Indigenous people are only now beginning to familiarize themselves with those lost traditions and spiritual practices of their ancestors. So my first question is, why do you believe the Baha'i faith is different from these religions of the past? Um, because in a quick, short, succinct answer to that, because the Baha'i faith allowed me to continue to be Native. It, it, it allowed me to bring those traditions that are worthy and those traditions that have gone through the, and I'm going to quote this, the filtering of, of genocide that we've experienced and this colonization that we've experienced, um, or some of those traditions that have been hidden so that they wouldn't be lost because that has happened as well. And so the Baha'i faith allows us to bring those worthy traditions. Now, some of those traditions don't need to be brought forward. It was, you know, for a certain time and a certain age and, and things have changed and evolved. And so some of these things can be brought forward. And the beauty is then I get to also have religion and have a direct connection to the creator and and as an indigenous person the creator is constantly who we're praying to we're constantly supplicating to the creator for help or for you know different things and so the baha'i faith has allowed me to be american indian and practice my traditions as well as be a baha'i hmm, beautiful explanation and in your opinion what do you believe the baha'i faith can offer indigenous people in light of this history so the Baha'i faith offers an elevated awareness. The Baha'i faith gives you an elevated awareness because as traditional indigenous people, we had this awareness of equality. We had this awareness of um, prayer and fasting and all, you know, and, and treating everybody equally. And everybody came to the table to eat and we shared and we, you know, it, it was nothing was mine. It was always ours. So the Baha'i faith gives you that opportunity to reawaken those traditions in an elevated sense. It gives you the opportunity that if you don't know your traditions at this moment in time, we all don't know our traditions because they've changed but the Baha'i faith gives you your new knowledge of traditions by bringing in and solidifying those different traditions that we had, the unity in, in diversity, the equality of men and women, 
prayer to the creator, fasting, giving, sacrificing, all of these things, courage, you know, all of these things that are in us as native people, the Baha'i faith elevates those into a spiritual realm because we all know as indigenous people, the reason that we are here on this physical earth is for the next world, for the spirit world. The Baha'i faith tells us that too. So all of these things is the Baha'i faith elevates our traditions in a more spiritual manner. Thank you. And my last question is, what do you think the Baha'i community can learn from indigenous people? Wow. Um, a lot of the things um, that I try to let people know about indigenous communities is one, we were and are a people of prayer. Um, you know, prayer is nothing that is foreign to us, you know, and that, that was never, mm. I don't know if it was never thought of, or they didn't really care in, in, in the past, but we've always been a people of prayer. We've always been a people of supplication and understanding. We've always, um, known that at certain times we had to fast, right? We, we knew about fasting and the importance of fasting to get away from the physical. So none of these concepts traditionally were foreign that the Baha'i faith brings forward. These are not foreign things for American Indians or for indigenous people. Um, I try to say not say American Indians because American was forced on us and obviously so was so was Indian right so uh, yeah so I, I tried to say native um, and leave the the American or the Indian part out but I get caught up in it all the time so um, so when I say native I, I I'm referring to the American Indian or the Native American or specifically a certain tribe right um, just depends um, so it's interchangeable um, anyway sorry um, but those, you know, prayer, we've always been a people of prayer and fasting, uh, meditation, and knowing that we have to, you know, slow ourselves down in times of craziness, right? Um, those are things that we've always, always done. Um, take what you need, not take all. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, in terms of like environmental preservation in, in terms of uh, exactly mm -hmm. in terms of environmental things in terms of animals in terms of all of those things one of the biggest things that i think that is really important as as a native person that we've always been taught that there is no beginning and there is no end in life meaning my relationship as i walk the face of this earth is with everything and everybody. And so we don't worship trees, but we respect the energy that the creator has given the trees. You know what I mean? And our relationship of what we do as a human affects the trees or the rocks or the fish or my fellow human beings in what is now China. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everything is created from the creator and has a certain energy force. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I think we as, as, as native people 
you know, we want to tell those stories. We want to show that we're all interconnected Mm -hmm. and everything. When I meet, when my kids meet somebody that is a friend of mine, that becomes their aunt or their uncle. So, you know, it's about relationships and bringing that unity. So we're, we're as native people, we knew these things. Unfortunately, people thought that we needed to get rid of those things and who we are and eradicate us as, you know, people that moved with the seasons, you know, people that um, only took what we needed, that shared, you know, when we went hunting, we didn't hunt for our family. We hunted for everybody because everybody had to get fed. Most indigenous communities, at least the ones that, that I'm affiliated with, but I've, I've seen it, you know, nationally and internationally, mm. most indigenous communities are matriarchal societies. Knowing that the women were the real tr- true decision makers. And so knowing that equality. Awesome. Well, this actually ties in perfectly to my next question, which kind of talks about some of the similarities between uh, the indigenous culture and tradition and history and, and the Baha'i the Baha'i faith and the Baha'i teachings. So your parents became Baha'is and mm-hmm. you also chose to become a Baha'i in your youth. And you've found this beautiful way of integrating deep traditional practices from your indigenous heritage into your spiritual practice as a Baha'i and creative output as an artist. Could you share the unique ways that you personally have reconciled these two forces tradition and faith through your art practice and how prophecy has confirmed your creative and spiritual practice, which really go hand in hand for indigenous people. Again, I think that was something that was, you know, definitely passed down, um, you know, from my parents. Um, Again, my parents became Baha'is. Even though they were raised Catholic, they became Baha'is. My dad first, uh, when he came back from Vietnam and, uh, I think it was because he knew that there was more to life after experiencing what he went through. And he knew that there had to be a connection, a deeper connection between him and the creator. Right. And then he found up the Baha'i faith and he said, "Uh aha, the Baha'i faith welcomes me to practice both, you know, um, obviously within the laws of the faith. But if we go to our traditions, nothing would go against what the Baha'i faith says in the laws. And so moving forward, I learned that I could sing my songs and, and put, and put uh, prayers to those songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, for, as a kid growing up, I had the drum. The drum was a big part of my life. Um, whether it was singing or it was just hitting the drum to get into a meditative state or uh, for different reasons. So the drum was a big part of my life. And so carrying the drum and the different, different drums that we, that we have as, as indigenous people and putting the Baha'i faith with that elevated, in my opinion, it elevated who I was as a native person and the teachings and the songs that were given to us that have been passed down from generation to generation and putting prayer on top of that, that was from a direct source 
from a messenger of God, it elevated our, in my opinion, our songs, our traditional songs. A lot of the prophecies, like with my people, with the people of the Southwest, the Hopi, the the Navajo, um, we we all have prophecies, and they all talk about um, the Baha'i faith. So, for like the nine pointed star with the with the Apache and the Navajo, it's direct. Look to the east for the nine pointed star, for they will be the ones to guide you. You know, look to the twin prophets from the east. Look. Um, look for the um, Bahani, the people of Baha, you know, from the Hopi traditions. Um, look toward the east. Now, you have to understand where we're, where we're situated here in the southwest. Look toward the east to the mountain. You will find the white building. And, and that prophecy, and, and for a long time, Native people were trying to go to the, to the White House or trying to go to the UN. But if you continue further east, there's the mountain of God. And on top of that sits the Universal House of Justice, which is a white building. And so it doesn't get more clear than that to me. You know, that's pretty clear um, on these prophecies. Wow, that just gave me chills. That's incredible. Um, thank you for sharing that. So I started this interview by sharing some of Shogi Effendi's remarks on the future of art in the Baha'i faith. So I'd love to now take this opportunity to chat about your work as a traditional musician, dancer, and storyteller. You've mentioned in the past that you're able to elevate these traditional and spiritual art forms by bringing the words of a manifestation of God to the center of your work. As an artist, I find this incredibly exciting and revolutionary. Could you walk us through how you're pushing boundaries in the indigenous community and also in the Baha'i community through your art and why this is so valuable to you and your culture and your work? What I'm doing with, with my art in in traditional or in indigenous communities or in my indigenous community has been different. Um, I've, I've grown up in the powwow circuit. I've grown up singing, you know, traditional songs and, and going through traditional ceremonies and things like that. And so as an artist, I'm, I'm constantly trying to push boundaries of if I sing traditional style uh, or powwow style, but I add this element to it, whether it's a, a flute or it's a uh, didgeridoo, or it's all these, or it's a guitar, or it's something. To me, music is music, and it's meant to be uh, flowing, and it, it's meant to work. What I've created is um, like either powwow style singing. So, like on my album Circling Spirits, it's very repetitive which is comes from the powwow circuit. It's, it's, it's very repetitive singing. Um, so I incorporated that style and that foundation with my Apache uh, foundation of the water drum, the bells and, and that style of singing. And I, I put those two together in creating <clears throat> this, this different um, style of music. Um, and, and it worked and, you know, uh, Canyon records picked it up and, you know, and I've won some awards with this, with this music. Again, it's, I think it's still ahead of its time. 
because I'm still getting a lot of, Ooh, what's that? It's really cool, but what is it? Right. And, and so that's kind of how I am. That's where I'm pushing boundaries. I don't want to, I don't want a native music to be the same. I don't think it should be. And we're not, we're not back then we're now. Right. And so it's got to evolve just like we all evolve. And, and I think as, as indigenous populations, that's, what's kept us from dying off is because we are able to bring those traditions and evolve them and, and keep them current and contemporary and people may like it. But for me, I'm telling my story. I'm creating this new narrative, right? As an indigenous person, this is my narrative, you know, and for me to share with, with, with the world. And so I have that one. I have um, a specific traditional style singing of the Apache people, but it incorporates some other elements of my other indigenous uh, communities as well. But it brings in, it, in, so in Apache music, we have what's called a song talk where we're, we're, we're singing. And then all of a sudden we literally start speaking in Apache, what we're singing about or what we're praying about. And so I've taken the Apache song talk and incorporated uh, um, to me a, a higher power of Baha'i prayers or hidden words or different things like that. And that is something that I'm, you know, getting ready to really hear shortly. Um, that's called invocations. There's a lot going on and a lot of really putting pieces of different things of that I know. Yeah. And, and bringing it out to the communities, because I think now is the time that we have to, we have to, as indigenous people, we have to step forward. It, it's mm -hmm. now time. Absolutely. Do you have your drum handy? Do you mind do. playing us a song? No, I'll, I'll play one off of uh, Invocations. Um, Wonderful. Thank so this you. Is, yeah, this is a blessing song. This comes from a traditional Apache style so singing style. And then the song talk will, will, will be the prayer. So this is off of Invocations. Blessed is the squad and the house and the place and the city and the heart and the mountains and the refuge and the cave and the valley and the land and the sea and the island and the meadow where mention of God hath been made and his praise glorified Thank you, Roman. I raise my hands. That was so beautiful. So that is a blessing song from your upcoming album, Invocations. Um, so if it's all right with you, we'll get back into our interview. Absolutely. 
1916, Abdu'l-Baha, the son of Baha'u'llah, wrote to the American Baha'i community, and he wrote, Attach great importance to the indigenous population of America. There can be no doubt that they will become so illumined as to enlighten the whole world. You've mentioned that this quote has offered you great insight and motivation to find and follow your purpose and to fearlessly serve humanity. You've worked in many different fields, starting out in biology and civil engineering, then basically doing a 180, moving into acting and directing films, becoming a recording artist and performer, and now you run your own nonprofit, I Am Human. What's the one thing that sparked this major career shift, and how did the words of Abdu'l-Baha um, inspire you? That entire quote okay. <laughs> is what inspired me. Um I knew in the work that I was doing in the environmental field with environmental engineering and, and working with indigenous communities and, and dealing with the federal government and all of those things. Again, it was, everything was dictated by the federal government, right? Um, everything that we had to do within our communities as indigenous people was specifically dictated um, by the federal government. And it depend it it didn't it, it it whether it was housing and HUD whether it was when and the ones that I worked with was EPA the Environmental Protection Agency whether it was the Army Corps of Engineers whoever it was what BIA the Bureau of Indian Affairs and all of these agencies dictated what what it is that we were going to do um, because they had a mandate that they had to fulfill and part of what they were doing with allowing us to get grants was to me was like patting you on the head. Okay, we will give you a little bit, right? Go sit down and be a good little person and, you know, get out of my hair. And I just got tired of it. I got tired of the politics. I got tired of all, you know, I, I saw a lot of the work that I was doing. I was trying to push the boundaries there, but there was politics. There was laws that had to be changed and things that I knew that I, I was just not able to do. Right. Um, whether that was, you know, saying, hey, yes, OK, here's the grant that we got, but we can get over here into this gray zone and still fulfill this grant. Right. And so we did that quite a bit. Um, but it was to me, it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't doing the work that I thought was necessary. And being a, a person that grew up performing grew up loving being in front of the camera and acting. Um, I, I used to write my own uh, shows as a five, six year old. And then I'd have, I charge, I would literally charge the neighborhood to come in and into my living room and I would perform whatever it was, whether it was Michael Jackson's, you know, I had a concert uh, being Michael Jackson, uh, whatever it was. I, that's, that's what I always did. And so I just thought, enough is enough. And that quote to me was the catalyst to say, I can create and do and teach and do everything that I want to do and fulfill this quote by doing this. And so that was the, that was the shift. That was literally the aha moment for me where I turned literally 180, walked away from a six figure salary and said, I'm starting new. And uh, here we are, I don't know, 12 years later, I think it's something like that. And, uh, 
and I'm just starting to get a lot of the that snowball, that movement. I'm starting to get a lot of that traction. So it's been a long, a long journey, but it's been a welcome journey because I get to dictate what it is that I'm providing the world by, by that quote and, and by the teachings of, of the Baha'i faith. And again, using the prophecies that tell me that the Baha'i faith is the, is the religion that we've been awaiting. That's, that's the messenger that humanity has been awaiting. And Baha'u'llah says it. He says it over and over and over. For whoever prophes- whichever manifestation of God has talked about this time, this, this awaited one, it is Baha'u'llah. And Baha'u'llah is the one that all messengers have talked about. Right. And so, so even indigenous communities and indigenous prophecies have talked about this coming, this time that we're in with some of our prophecies. We talk about those things, this, this time of destruction and separation and disunity, but through that will become this global unified new world. And so that, that's what made me shift. You know, and I started, you know, acting and I was doing really well. But again, it was, I had to do what that, the mindset of the director was wanting me to do. So I was like, I don't want to be in front of the, the camera. I want to be behind it because that's where all the fun is. That's where the, that's where you're guiding the actors to be what it is that your vision is. Right. And so, and so that's where I shifted and I started writing uh, stage performances. I have a stage solo performance called prophecy and it talks about the blending of the baha'i faith and our traditional prophecies and it's got multi multimedia visuals that go along with it that tell the stories and then i come out and do this dance it's about an hour long it's very tiring (laughs) Um, and, and i'm working on other ones i'm working on other stage performances where i get to tell these stories i get to blend the the baha'i faith and, and the pro and the fulfillment of my prophecies as a native individual yeah. and as a native community. Wow. And so that's, what's allowed me to continue and, and motivated me was that quote pushing what it is that I'm supposed to do as an, as a, as a, as a native person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and getting my fellow native people to, to rise up. I actually have a song that talks about that, the right rise up, you know, rise up, stand up. Um, it's now time, you know, it's now time as indigenous people to elevate the world, you know, mm-hmm. and I use that quote by Abdu'l-Bahá. It's, 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 it's already been foretold, yeah. you know, and, and we just, we have a prophecy that we have to do it and we have to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to do with that. That is such a noble path. And I feel like I want to ask more questions and talk to you about this for hours, but unfortunately, <laughs> We have to bring this interview to a close, and I'm sure we'll reconnect in the future. Um, Before we go, I'd love to just take an opportunity to quickly chat about some of your upcoming projects. You've mentioned this uh, one-man play. You've also mentioned your upcoming album. You also mentioned a sci-fi film, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken, in the past. So you really strike me as someone who's got his finger on a bunch of different ventures. So tell us about those. Sure. I, I do. I, I, so I see myself, it's funny, I use this analogy and it kind of is 
destructive. But so I use my this analogy of a bulldozer. And I and I see myself as this bulldozer, and on the blade of the bull, of this of this bulldozer. And for those that don't know what a bulldozer is, it's basically a big tractor, heavy machinery, and it has this big blade on there. And when they put the blade down, it literally carves the ground and moves everything that's with it. And so, this bulldozer is is who I think that I it's am. Roman Arona. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I am the Roman Arona bulldozer okay. and, and everything down there is destructive. It's, it's divisive. It's awful. And on my blade is the, the guidance obviously of, of Baha'u'llah and, and the creator. But on this blade is all the things that I'm doing, the music, the stage performances, the nonprofit, of I am human media, which the, includes webinars and includes, you know, teaching people how to become a musician or how the, the, the business aspect of it, because as musicians or as artists, we always say, yep, I'm going to be an artist, but we don't have the business sense. We don't have the, the marketing and all those other things. So I am human media does that as well as these pop-up events and, you know, collaborations. And so this is my blade and my blade is a blade of unity. And so I'm trying to carve and move those things that are destructive. And, and so that's, that I do, I have my hand in, 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 in so many different things um, that, you know, arts and crafts. So I'm a craftsperson. I build drums. I, I build, you know, uh, earrings and, and all these other things that I do plus the music um, and yeah, and the and the and the and the movie making. I'm I'm I have a a movie that that's kind of a sci-fi type thing, but that's something that I've you know I it's in my head, and I've I've charted some of these things down. But it's really about like you know an indigenous person right here in society, and when they get thrown against the wall or they get into a sticky situation that they don't know how to handle it it literally goes back into their DNA and they get put into a place that um, would be a traditional teaching. So they go back in time to their ancestors and maybe something that, that their ancestors dealt with. And then they see how they dealt with it. And then you fast forward through your DNA back into the situation <laughs> and you deal with that situation. Right. Yeah. So it, it, to me, that was that again, that honoring and respecting the ancestors, the traditional things, the DNA that that science tells us that we're connected, right? To our present day and what we're what we're navigating this physical life with. But the honoring of the future generations or the preparation of the future. And so that is really what I'm trying to do with a lot of the art that I'm creating honoring and knowing where we've come from and who our people are and that ancestry and those that have struggled, not just as native people, but all individuals, the struggles that all of our ancestors have done, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, whatever, that, that DNA running through me right here in this physical world and me living and preparing for the future. And what am I going to leave them? That is what Roman Arona is about. You know, that's, that's what, 
That's what I try to do. Oh, and I forgot to mention that I also have a trio as well called Medicine Arrow. So there's a lot, there's a <laughs> lot going on. Um, I, I, but I still sit here and I go, I don't think that I'm doing enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I, you know, especially right now with Black Lives Matter and all of these things that we're going through, what is it, what could I do more? And so I'm also looking to do an additional podcast where we have a real conversation, you know, where we just talk and, and that person represents themselves and their community of where they live. Not all, they're not the voice of everyone, but they're, their insight is from their community and where they've been brought up, you know, and people always ask me, well, you know, through your, I am human videos, what happens? You bring somebody who's racist or, or, you know, hates a certain people or does this or does that, or is a murderer or whatever. And I always say, well, they're human. And at the end of the day, I may not agree with what they are or who they are, Hmm. but I have to love them because they are still part of my human family. So Roman, those are beautiful words to live by and to bring this conversation to a temporary close. (laughs) Um, Sadly, we've come to the end of this episode, but I really want to thank you for opening up to us today and sharing your precious story and reflections and really we had a you know a hard conversation at times. Um, you answered some pretty tough questions, um, but I really appreciate that you really dug deep, and I found your responses really elevating and insightful and inspiring. And I can't wait to follow your journey and see all the wonderful places that you will end up. So thank you so much again for your time today, and all the best. Well, I appreciate it. Again, I get I appreciate the the time and the ability to chat about these things. Um, and yeah, I you know we all have an obligation, and we all are part of this this journey, whatever that it is that we're doing. As long as we're doing it for the betterment of humanity, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Roman. Until next time. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Cloud9. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to check out Bahaiteachings.org where you can find more Baha'i-inspired podcasts, videos, and articles.